Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and joining me for this, well, it's not quite a dark episode, it's more of a dusky episode. Joining me today is none other than the fantastic Dan from Casting Views. Dan, welcome to Chatsunami. Hello, hello, thank you. And that's, that was, I like the intro. I like it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But sorry, it's great to be on. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to coming on to your show. Oh, honestly, it has been an episode in the making, hasn't it? It really really has. (laughs) We've been talking about this for a while, saying, oh yeah, we should do more collabs. In fact, I can't remember when it was. It must have been a good year or two ago when I came on to your show. And we said that at the very end, I'm sure, that, oh, we should do more collabs and things. And it wasn't just a, oh yeah, sure, we'll do it. (laughs) Then we never did it. Yeah, because I think you were one of our first guests. Sorry, I was just, you were one of our first guests. And then I've been meaning to get a second episode work with you. But then we were talking about this, and I think we both thought we'd arranged it, but then we realised we hadn't, didn't we? Oh, yeah. It's always the case, though, because I had someone the other day messaging me, and they had said, oh, do you want to do a collab and everything, and when's best to do it? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, you know, I'm available this time, that time. And then all of a sudden, I got a message out of the blue from the same person saying, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I, d- I didn't realise I hadn't replied and everything. It's been really busy. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's just life. That's the sentence. It's just life. Yeah. That's life, as the song goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but of course, today we are indeed talking about a game that really you and I were discussing quite a bit when we were both playing it. That, of course, being As Dusk Falls, which is an indie experience, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I remember talking to you and I know we'll, we'll get into it. And I remember kind of frantic messaging you as I have been and I seem to do all the time now this game this is my favourite game you need to play it and it always seems to be poor you you've probably got about a list of 30 tweets queued up saying Dan's playing this Dan's playing this but yeah as soon as I started playing I thought you had to do this I wanted to hear you talk about this on your show the fact that I'm on to do it is even better but yeah as soon as I played it I thought this is a brilliant Chatsunami episode oh no absolutely and I have to admit it probably came at the perfect time because the time that you actually recommended this was probably about the same time that I was falling down a indie rabbit hole in gaming where I was playing other games like What Remains of Edith Finch, Telling Lies To the Moon, you know, very story based games and I don't know whether it's just in my and I'm going to say old age but you know I've only just turned 30 you know last year. Oh wow, oh wow. I know I'm saying saying that I've just climbed over. I'm ancient then I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> I know honestly see when I hear gamers say oh I'm so old does anyone remember this retro gem and it's like from the Wii or Xbox 360 <laughs> yeah. and I'm like get away just <laughs> get away that's not retro but yeah I was really into and I still am you know I love games that have a very heavy emphasis on narrative for example last week I talked to Jess from Opinionated Lushes about Firewatch and I Again, that's another game where basically you just 
walk from point A to point B and the story kind of unravels. But for this one, it's a bit different. It feels almost like a visual novel. And I hate to call it that, but because, you know, when you think of visual novels, you think of those very peculiar anime games. Yes. Yeah. You know, where it's like you click the option and it's like, will you fall in love? Won't you? Whereas this is far from that, isn't it? Yeah, actually, that's a really good comparison because Firewatch I've played and I think Firewatch gives the impression that it's a game, but yeah. it's not. It, well, you, you know, I don't mean that in a harsh way, but it is ultimately, it's not like an Elder Scrolls or a, a Fallout. I would put it in a similar bracket as Dusk Falls in terms of it's got a path that it's going to take one. But yeah, we've recently done an episode on newspapers and I talked about the old photo stories you used to get in magazines and newspapers and it's got that feel to it. It's almost like you're reading a paper, like a visual story in a, in a paper. Because one of the things I have to admit it reminded me of, and I don't know if you've seen this with other games, like I think it's Dead Space and Halo, especially the other two that come to mind, but they had these, I don't even know what you would call them, they were like extra kingdom movies yeah. that were made yeah. to tie into the games. Yeah, they were like part of the expanded kind of lore where you got characters that were never featured in the game. Like, for example, you had one for Halo where a group of marines trying to escape this prison ship and there was like a, a leak trying to run away with them they were fighting against the flood but they had very much that animation style as Dusk Falls has where it is just basically a powerpoint presentation at times so it's always like you are going from panel to panel on a comic book but certain elements will be animated. So the characters' mouths don't speak as such, the lips don't move, but you might get a character light a cigarette and that's animated. Or it really threw me a couple of times when you see a car drive off because that would be animated. But the characters are moving in jarring action. That doesn't sound great, but it just works, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. After that, I was quite taken aback, I suppose is the right term, with the very beginning because I was like, really? Is this the animation style that they're married to? I was like, is my game broken? <laughs> or yeah. I, I genuinely didn't know. But the more you get into it, the more that doesn't matter. Because I've played loads of games, for example, To the Moon, which is quite possibly one of my favourite games of all time. That is a very narratively rich game. And throughout that, it's basically, it's made an RPG maker, which if you've seen any of those games, you'll know that they're, it's just it's very pixelated. It's pixel people, as it were. But it's one of those stories that made be very emotional. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe how much I'm feeling over these, uh, as I said, these clumps of pixels. And it was the same almost with As Dusk Falls. Obviously, there's a lot more in this game, but you know, it almost didn't matter because the story was just that good. And I know it's not a perfect story, we will definitely go into that. But you know, before we go in and talk about this game as a whole, how did you actually hear about this game? Because this game is indeed relatively new. Well, as of recording this episode, it's a July 2022 release. So out of curiosity, how did you hear about this? I think I saw this originally, it must have been in a, in a showcase in one of the E3 or whatever it, that's branded now. But you know, each year you've got the E3 Expo. I think I saw it advertised in that. And like you, I think I need to say right up front, yeah, I'm also massively into narrative games. I need a purpose playing my game other than just getting a high score in a multiplayer or something and so it already got my interest because it looked you know they showed a couple of really good scenes and and I'll be honest again the art style really did jump out to me but then I probably didn't pay any attention to it and I think what then happened was got game pass and you know it's fantastic that this came out 
they won on Game Pass. And I like to look at what's coming, you know, in the in the coming soon tab, saw that, played the trailer and, and kind of just downloaded it. I actually stayed away from a lot of any hype or reviews around it because I knew it would be a day one downloaded, day one play. So yeah, it's kind of a weird one in that a brief bit in E3 and looking at it through the Xbox, the Game Pass tab. Because I have to say, I think I must have saw this floating about on Twitter and places like that. People talking about it and saying, oh, it's a new indie game. And I think it was just coming off the back of, as I said, other games like What Remains of Edith Finch, Coffee Talk, those kind of games. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a go, you know. But it was kind of the game that I saw and I thought, all right, I'll add it to the backlog. And then, of course, you came to me and you were like, oh, it's a great game. It's a very good story. And I mean, if it's you praising this game, I was like, well, I have to play it because we've got great taste in video games. So I can't not afford to play Thank this. You. Thank you. I love how you're trying to make me sound all cool and nonchalant about it when I was probably going, you've got to play this. This is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was nice and cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do need that push. See, when someone recommends a game, as I said in my To The Moon episode, that game came out in 2011 and I must have got that game in the Humble Bundle in 2012, 2013 <laughs> and I never played it until last year. Same with Spec Ops The Line, What Remains of Edith Finch, as I said, Papers Please, you know, all these amazing games that I haven't played and I'm slowly making my way through those games. So the fact that this came out in 2022 and I played it relatively soon after, I don't know if that's a testament to how good this game is or how good your negotiation skills are. <laughs> how annoying I was via Twitter. No, yeah. oh, not at all. No, no. I needed that push. I needed that push. <laughs> but, you know, see, without any further ado, will we just jump in and talk about the good, the bad, and the dusky, I suppose, <laughs> about this game? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Chatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe. Stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. I'm Dan. I'm Lou, and together we are Casting Views. An uncle and nephew chatting on random topics, some heavy, some fun, but we aim to amuse. Don't miss out, don't delay. Subscribe to Casting Views today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Good Pods. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one-track audio waves. (laughs) 
but with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Well, I'm happy to just throw in a couple of things right off the bat, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. We've mentioned it, but my number one point was the art style. I love it. I know some people have got an issue with it, and I recently replayed it. Well, I started to replay it for this, and then I'm going to say I got towards the last third, and I managed to accidentally wipe out a chapter's progress, and I got in a mood, so didn't complete it. However, up to that point, I noticed my partner kept watching. You know, she would be sitting down, she kept watching it. And I've said in another episode that I know a sign of a good game in terms of story and how it looks is if she gets drawn into it because she's not a gamer and I found her sort of watching it like it was a film or a program now the art style for me brilliant it's an odd thing in terms of like we said that it feels very stop motion but I did see a line from the studio saying that basically every frame is hand painted and there are 15,000 frames or unique frames so it's a bit of work gone into it that is crazy isn't it yeah and I think it really shows because it's got this weird they're almost realistic so they are all actors and and actresses but they're not quite real but are real you know what i mean there's that they, they are based on on their their real look and it's like there was some sort of i think the early 2000s are probably now there was a, a trend in comic books for that almost re- lifelike artwork in some of the comic books and I, and I kind of think of it like that yeah it doesn't feel as if and this is going to sound really weird but it doesn't seem as if these characters are created if that makes sense it's not like they drew them up on like a draw board or a concept board and they were like I don't know this is Vince Walker and we've got to have like the beard we've got to have the messy hair you know it does feel as if it's actual people behind it and no more is that evident and we will get on to it but there's a particular character later on that is in the very critically acclaimed may I say yes yeah I know where you're going heavy rain of course and yeah that that took me completely out of it because I was like sorry before I go on I just want to point out that as we go into this episode we will be going into spoiler territory so if you haven't played this game go away and make a cup of tea play through the game if you want pause the episode and then yeah feel free to come back but if you don't really care about spoilers still get your tea or coffee but yeah come back and listen yeah when scott shelby popped up (laughs) It's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Oh my god. Yeah, that kind of took me out of it because he is just the spitting image, obviously, because they based it off the actor himself. Well, if you look, a lot of the actors are based on them and, and that is the weird thing. And that's what I think draws you in on it. But yeah, I can imagine if you are a big PlayStation player or a big uh, Quantity fan, I guess I, I did play Heavy Rain, but only briefly. So yeah, I can imagine that can take you out of that moment in time in the game. When you kind of say, oh, I know him, he's such and such. Oh no, absolutely. As I said before, this game is very narratively rich. It's a game that, and get used to that term, because I'm going to be throwing it around quite a bit, probably. (laughs) Throwing it around more than the Hope Brothers throw around the hostages. So the game, of course, is split into two parts, which I have to admit, before I went into this, I had zero clue what the story was. I didn't read up on anything for this game. I really just had no idea what I was getting myself 
yourself into. And I feel as if that is probably the best. Would you agree with that? Just go then blind for this game. Hands down, I absolutely agree. I think that will give you the best experience, at least in the first, well, obviously the first playthrough, but I think it will give you the best experience. But of course, as I said, it's split into two distinct storylines. The first one being, in fact, is it right to say that it's split into books? Because it seems to be called book one is Collision and book two is Expansion. Yeah, it's almost like it's trying to be a novel slash almost like a serialised program, isn't it? You could easily imagine episode appearing instead of chapter, I think. Or book, sorry, book, yeah. Yeah, the BBC would definitely be picking this up, like on a Sunday night or something. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, that's prime Sunday night viewing, yeah. I mean, this is going to age the episode poorly, but Happy Valley is over, okay? So BBC, if you're listening, you know, you've got As Dusk Falls to fill the slot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But would you agree that the first part of this game, and this is going to sound controversial, and I don't want to start on a low note, but would you say that the first part of the game is probably the strongest part? Yeah, and this is where I have to remember back to when I was messaging you and I was giving you all the excitement to play it. I then got to the second part and I thought, well, if I say to you the second half's not as good, then you're going to have no emphasis or or motivation to play it. So I felt really bad. I thought, no, let you play play it but having just recently replayed it it's not as bad as I think first time I played it but I think because the first part is so strong and the first time you experience it it is a great rush the second half what I would say just doesn't live up to the first part I think or it can't compete as much because they're two very different animals so you've got the first part it's like an action thriller almost I know it sounds funny to say that as as a visual novel kind of book but it is it's an action thriller whereas the second half feels a lot more contemplative doesn't it? So for the first part of the game, you're right, it is action-packed. It's about this family called the Walker family who are travelling to Missouri and they end up going through a place called Turok, Arizona. I don't know if that's a real place. It probably is. America's massive, but I'm Scottish, so I'm putting on the tourist cap here. I'm like, no idea. Probably. Arizona's a big place. That's all I know. It's dusty. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I think we're safe with that. Yeah. <laughs> so they end up getting into a car accident with this other car driven by the Holt brothers who, we'll get onto them, don't you worry we will get onto <laughs> them, and of course they're forced to stay at a motel but unfortunately as fate would have it, they have an encounter with the Holt brothers again who come back from a relatively unsuccessful heist they pull it off, just not in the best way, so they end up in a hostage situation they have to do their best to survive it's very on the edge of your seat kind of stuff isn't it? Yeah and I think it's also key to say there are choices to be made some minor, some can have some big ramifications which I'll mention later but it's also mixed in with some quick time events but yeah I, I think you summed it up perfectly. A note I made though about the story because overall I, th- I do love it, it's a positive I think when I look back at it now but it starts off almost like, it could almost be like a National Lampoon's vacation one because you've got this oddball family haven't you in the sense of they're arguing with the dad in the back and they're playing games and it almost feels like initially like it's going to be a comedy with the grumpy old granddad in the back but then after a few minutes some sinister undertones well sinister is probably a strong word but you get some sinister undertones coming through like about something with the main character's job and something with the dad and it just doesn't take long before that snowball starts rolling and getting into well where the story ends up I mean it does get really dark really fast (laughs) I have to say you know as we said it starts with this family 
family drama where, as, as you said, they're all arguing with one another. They're all irritable. They get to the motel. Oh, they're going to get the car fixed. Oh, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. You know, it's the whole back and forth, as you expect. But then, of course, it cuts to the Hope Brothers, where you've got Tyler, Dale and Jay, who the three of them really don't get along. They are very confrontational. Jay is the sensitive is probably the wrong word, but, you know, he's not as assertive as the other two. He's quite empathetic. He's very thoughtful about what he does. I mean, no more is that apparent than, and this is something that I feel as if the game does perfectly, is its characterization of the main characters. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. for example, even when the whole brothers end up at the house of a corrupt sheriff and they're basically going there to steal his money but during the quote-unquote heist Jay goes in with his brothers and he goes upstairs to see where the money is and he comes across the wife of the sheriff and she's in a mobility scooter she's got her I can't remember what's wrong with her but her vocal cords have been taken out isn't it yeah she's got like what's it is it like the stone or something where she can't speak yeah yeah, so she's a person who clearly is vulnerable. Anything could happen with these three guys in there, and he is very empathetic. He tries to stop her, but he's not aggressive. No. He doesn't, yeah. like, you know, push her to the floor. Because he also doesn't tell his brother downstairs that she's upstairs because he didn't want it. You know, it's a subtle thing, but he didn't want him to know. Yeah, he just, like, locks the door and then says, oh, yeah. there's nothing here. Let's go to the office. And you're completely right. That is such a nice touch to say, oh, look at this guy who clearly you're supposed to see them as the antagonists until you get to the sheriff. We will get on to him, don't you worry. <laughs> but then of course that leads them to run to the motel where they hold it up and they take hostages. Sorry, I just want to go back, sorry, to the heist itself though. There's two things in there. One was, yeah, actually then the wife helping Jay, doesn't she? She says, oh, the safe's down there behind a picture or something. She's so pissed off at her husband. But also, it was that scene that made me really hate the older ones because you've got Dale P in the lemonade haven't you of the sheriff if you remember that scene and i'm like even though it's a game i'm thinking dude come on as I said, they are very confrontational, they're very aggressive, they smash up the place. There's not a lot of forward thinking. They obviously have a lookout and everything. They have the brother beeping the horn, which I feel as if, I, I know why obviously they have Jay in the house, but probably would have made more sense to have had Jay in there rather than... <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, other brother. Yeah. Even still though, it's great characterization. And once you get the safe and the money and everything, you have to like, escape and we find out that the sheriff isn't exactly the nicest of people. But yeah, of course that leads us back to the motel where we've got carry on walkers. <laughs> <laughs> who are, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're just arguing with one another. And then it kind of puts a dampener on your holidays. That's safe to assume when three men come in with shotguns and they're like, yeah, give us your money. Oh, this is a heist. And you're like, oh, God, no. <laughs> on your point about characterization, again, you, you're, you're right on it. I think this is what makes a game stand out above certain others in its genre as well. Is that a lot of the characters I really did like, like Vince, I couldn't help but feel like I was going through that with him. I, I kind of really wanted to make sure. I got him through that scene okay the Holt brothers even though I disliked them in terms of the characters they were played really well Jay played it really well and I think that's what makes that first book so or the first half of the game so exciting is because they were really well voice acted and yeah they were kind of well 
portrayed on the screen. Yeah, it definitely felt like an audio drama, didn't it? Yeah, that's a good parallel, yeah. I honestly feel as if if you just took the audio from this game and just put it into, I don't know, Spotify or Zencaster, wink wink, you would be able to just listen to this. You wouldn't really have to watch it. I mean, maybe you could get some descriptions about what's going on, but the long and the short of it is, it is just done so well that you can follow along by just listening to what's going on with the cues and everything that they give. And what I do like as well, going back to the characters, Vince is, and this is going to sound weird, this is a phrase that I used in my review of Firewatch, but he seems like a very human character. He doesn't seem like a superhero or, you know, wrestling the guns out of their hands or a quick time event to punch them all out or anything. He takes a very reasonable decisions for the most part. Like, you're given the option to lie about where your daughter and wife are. You get the choice between stopping Joyce from antagonising the brothers versus stopping your dog from, yes, you know, antagonising, which I have to admit, as a dog owner myself, I was like, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Joyce, I'm saving the dog. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, in my playthrough, none of them died, but I was still like, I'm keeping the dog safe. It just feels like a husband and father who's trying to get his family through a very bad situation. You know, he's not, like you said, he's not Master Chief. He's not some action hero. You can almost feel him sort of worrying through all the things in his brain about what is the best decision? What do I have to do to get my daughter and wife and dad out of this? This is something that I was initially unsure of, where the story has this weird habit, at least in the first part of the game, has this weird habit of jumping around quite a lot. You know, it flashes back and then it goes forward and then it's back and forward. And personally, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel as if there's a kind of fine line when you're implementing flashbacks because sometimes, like this game, it can be done really well when it just adds heaps onto the story because I was like messaging you about the particular twist where we find out why Michelle and Vince are agitated with one another. You think there's something going on there, but I just, I don't know why. And of course, the reason being that Vince was fired from his job as an aircraft engineer because they blamed like a technical fault on him and then Michelle had had an affair and I just remember messaging you at the time and I was like oh this Michelle's a bad and she's a bad bad that, person. That broke my heart and that's what I was going to say earlier and I thought wait when you said about the characterization, that scene that broke my heart that did you know it because you just felt for Vince at that time because again he's just a husband who's gone through a bad time trying to do the best for his family and then that happens. That was emotionally devastating for me as well. I was just like I can't believe that you know he's been dealt a horrible hand with you know everything that's going on never mind the heist and the hold up that's going on in this game but even before that to have a wife who you have a strong relationship there and then all of a sudden it's like oh by the way I had an affair. In fact no it isn't even oh hold on I had an affair. He finds out because he accidentally reads her phone he's like oh your phone's pinging let me have a look see who it is. They're waiting for the movers because they're moving home so he thinks it's the movers so he goes to look at it to not miss it and then he accidentally yeah he accidentally reads I think it's from Bruce damn you Bruce was it something about cupcakes or something <laughs> yeah he called because he called her cupcake he says something like I'm going to miss you cupcake or miss your smile do you want to go for one last drink and it kind of all kicks off from there but in terms of the flashbacks yeah I agree with you I think again the first half did it well there are just one one of my I think negatives though is that there are certain I think they could have done without or more they could have put in so whether it would come in a second game 
game. I think there should have been more on what happened to him. You know, I think there could have been more on the instant. I think building up, because he was one of the best characters. And, and I think if I'm not out of line stepping forward, he's pretty much then, he is absent from the second half, isn't he? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And you've built up this great character, this great family unit to then just discard them. And there's that whole storyline with him. And in the first half, there's that scene with Joyce's son, Ash, where they go to uh, Sam Shelby's hut. He finds his hut in the forest. <laughs> of course, yeah. And I felt that didn't need to be in there. I know there's a ramification, there's a choice there about, you know, whether the police find a hut, but I didn't care for that kid. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but he had no real impact. They just brought him in for that moment. And and so I think it's a choice of flashbacks that they did do and some of the ones that they probably could have done. No, you're completely right. I feel as if the only reason they had that scene in there was so that later they could say, oh, well, if you chose to tell the sheriff at the time that this was his hideout, then the police would search that house and you would yeah, have to run yeah. away and it would be another action scene, which I liked in a way, but I do agree. I feel as if there's a lot of characters that they put all their eggs into one basket for, and then all of a sudden someone just takes the basket away and goes, okay, you've had enough eggs for this character. And you're like, but I, I want to know more, and you're completely right. The first half, I was absolutely hooked throughout the entire thing. I was like, how are the walkers going to get out of it? There's one point where Michelle gets shot and you have to decide whether or not you forgive her for the affair and everything, which I get it. She thought she was dying, but at the same time, I remember being at that scene and just being like, honey, this um, <laughs> this isn't the best time. Our daughter <laughs> and my father still in there. But can we discuss this later when you're at a hospital? <laughs> I'm being flippant there, but... I was going to say, I'll go through it after, but there were some quite big differences in my playthrough. So yeah, absolutely. I got Michelle shot in the first game, but in the second game, she was fine. So there, there are some quite big differences that, you know, normally in choice-driven games, you think, oh, it's very minor. But there were some quite big differences for me between the two. Because, I mean, you can actually get characters killed in this game, and it does affect the rest of the story going forward. For example, there's a scene where, and apologies if I get his name wrong, but I think you go outside as Vince with Dale to confront yes, the yeah. police, but you see like a sniper laser kind of train on you, or rather train on Dale. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, because I had to look it up, but I think if you let him get shot, then you run inside again, and Tyler gets so angry that I think he shoots Joyce and kills her. Yeah, that's what I've got. I was really upset that. Yeah, because if you let him go or, or warn him, everyone kind of survives. I mean, Dale always ends up getting killed in the game, so you can't save him. But yeah, in the second playthrough, I let the police shoot him, thinking that's what I must have done in the first game. But yeah, it all then kicks off, and yeah, Tyler kills Joyce, which I found really gutting as well, because she was a nice character too. I would say, at least for the first half, there's not really a weak character. You know, each character kind of plays into... Sorry, I say that the only one I would say I wasn't a big fan of was is it Sharon who's like the mother of the whole mother, yeah yeah I don't like her character I'll go on to that later but her inclusion felt a bit weird yeah it was just it was just to almost bring in that head of the family dynamic wasn't it and then she has got a relationship with a couple of the other characters later on but again it just feels they didn't pad her character out it's like I've said in some of my notes I've said I almost would have liked a bit more backstory on the Hulks but not so much just general stuff like some of the things they had to do to survive as a family because you might have then 
and had a bit more sympathy for them and even for her because when you see how basically that she was trying to keep the family together because the dad was a bit of a deadbeat you kind of get why they were doing anything for her i think if you'd have had more of that you might have warmed to her a bit more even though they are the villains of the piece but which brings me on to i would wanted to have more the sheriff dante i wanted some of his backstory as well i thought as a character whilst he's probably the big villain i thought he was brilliant i loved him yeah i totally agree i feel as if and this might be a hot take in the as dusk falls (laughs) fandom (laughs) but i think he is probably the most criminally underutilized out of all the characters purely because it's set up that the whole family of course they are down on their luck and as you said their father bear who's called i just want to emphasize that in case people think i'm just randomly saying bear <laughs> scott shelby bear as i call him he has a crippling gambling addiction to the extent that there's a very horrible scene later on where he attempts to take his own life and he also tries to kill one of his debtors because yeah he's just like in such a bad place that he just He's basically ruined the family. And again, there's like more to it. I can't just simplify it and be like, oh, it's because he's a gambling addict. You know, there's obviously like a lot of mental issues that go behind that, which again, it's quite interesting the way that they approach that. So they characterise the whole family as being completely desperate and financially on rocky terms. So that's why they target the sheriff. And they do explain that the sheriff is corrupt. He's got like all this money left over from, you know, dodgy deals and things like that and that is interesting because you also see things like as we said at the very beginning of the episode that the wife is quite cold towards her husband you know even though obviously she's got that condition that it seems as if he does look after her but at the same time probably doesn't look after her well enough that they have anyone to care for her during the day she just kind of goes about her business and everything and she's obviously isolated while her husband is out all day with all these dodgy dealings and things so that's the other thing about it it all kicks off because they try to rob his house but that's not the problem is that Jay takes a book he, he spots a book on birds or something birds of Arizona doesn't he but hidden in that is a black book with all Dante's dodgy dealings so yeah Dante while he's a sheriff and I think he does care for the people in there like Joyce and, and the kid the escalation comes from the fact that he just wants that book back so there's a huge shootout there's a bus that drives through the front of the motel it's it's purely because all he cares about is getting that book back. It's that kind of side of him that I really wanted to see more, that wheeler dealing, conniving, scheming, how he got to where he is. Because again, like I said, the voice, the, the guy who plays him as well, is it, it, just very watchable and listenable. And I, again, I think you said it criminally underrated, which is quite ironic for him being a sheriff, but it's spot on. He needed to be in it more. And I want DLC with his backstory. Yeah, because, and we'll move on to it shortly, don't you worry, but yeah, the sequel, or rather the second part of this game definitely sets up for some kind of DLC and I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it's been confirmed that they're working on DLC or maybe as a sequel to the game, I don't know, because it feels like this is definitely a game that will require a lot of work to be put into it. Like, as you said before, with 
all the characters getting rendered and created and everything else like that there's going to be a lot to put in the game and I have to admit I was just so like my jaw hit the floor see at the very end where the motel goes on fire and there's like the big standoff between Vince and the Hope Brothers and I don't know how you tackled this one but for me personally I gave myself up as Vince to the Hope Brothers and I said to them oh take me I'll be your hostage in order to let Zoe go because that is the kind of game this is you're still playing as Vince but you're seeing it through his eyes you're seeing it as oh my god they've got my six-year-old girl here they're gonna kill her or they're gonna kidnap her and it's like I don't want anything bad to happen to this child you know you want this family to escape with their lives so I made of course the ultimate sacrifice and I gave myself up but did you do that as well? I did in the second playthrough but in the first for whatever I felt like because I wouldn't have said send the girl (laughs) but I think in the first playthrough for whatever reason they did take Zoe so yeah it just shows again the difference because yeah Vince can actually die in that scene if you go with them he can actually be killed off in the game which would I'm so glad I never got to see that ending for him because that that would have been me deleting that off the hard drive straight away but yeah I think how you've played it certain options beforehand I think it does then force you down as one of two specific paths because yeah I couldn't imagine him willingly letting them take his daughter which I somehow managed to do in the first game and I think that's what this game does at least for the first part I feel as if this is what the game does perfectly it gives you stakes that you want to invest in and I feel as if it gives you the perfect building blocks about these characters than the first part. So, you know, you've got the Hope Brothers burning down the... Well, not them burning it down, but, you know, fleeing the motel with their hostage of choice, as it were. The family more or less escaping with one or two exceptions. And you have this grand Thelma and Louise-esque, I suppose is the right term, chase scene with the police. And it is, it's like very grand and epic. And once you get away, it then cuts to really just the second part. I don't know if this is where book two actually comes in, but this is where I feel as if the game starts and I feel bad for saying this, but started to kind of go downhill once the Hope Brothers escape and then they get to the forest and then they release the hostage. Did you feel as if from that point on that was the tipping point or do you feel as if it came later? I think that's it. There's still quite a bit of a good game there where yeah well you can either choose to keep it or release the hostage and then is it I think it's Tyler J and the mother go to the cabin and there's a bit of a tense scene that plays out there because Tyler only has got a motorbike for two people to go across the border and he wants to leave Jay behind well that's what he's saying and that kicks off some further scenes but for me where it broke down was when the other characters come in so like Vanessa so Jay's love interest potentially now I actually liked her as a character and I think them together were great but they've thrown in new characters towards the end of the game where again I've not invested in them and to rush a story along because basically you're supposed to hate her father he's a controlling overbearing father to her she just wants to get away because there was a tragedy that befell her brother when he died and I'm looking at it the other way that he's just a father who's trying to protect her from not having the same thing happen to her and you're supposed to invest more in her even though I liked the character like I said I liked the character that part of the story just felt rushed and it's like oh here are characters you've got to care about them now and the side bit which we should probably say is then it focuses on zoe in the modern day but again 
we haven't seen enough about her, how her life was affected. And then it's just the bit with the granddad, which I'll, I'll let you go on to after. But just felt a bit too rushed, too disjointed. And other than Jay, Jay was really the only ever present. I know that sounds funny because Zoe was in the start, but she was like a tiny kid then. And then later in the game, she's like a young adult. And yeah, it just went, it just kind of felt re- disjointed is the word for me. That, that's how I felt. I completely agree. I think that's probably the perfect word to describe this part of the story. Because even though I said that that's probably the split for me where they escape the police and everything, you're completely right. I still feel as if there is some kind of coherency there. But then you've got the Romeo and Juliet style love story where Jay's lying about who he is to Vanessa and, oh, I'm a schoolmate or whatever. And then the FBI get involved and everything. And it feels maybe not a completely different story, but it does feel a bit disconnected compared to what they had before. You've got to believe that this girl, and she's of school age, just wants to go away with this. I think you can admit to her you're a criminal. Criminal, steal a car, go joyriding across to Canada all of a sudden, just like that. And part of that then, the thing that kind of made me cringe a little is they go to like a house party because she wants to try and get, I can't remember if it's like fake ID or something. And it just feels like it was to put stock images of cool hip kids at a party into a scene. Do you know what I mean? That's all it felt like to me. And it's just when you see her in the house, it seems like, again, she's got an elderly ill grandmother it looks like the father's trying to take care of you know his mum and his daughter and then she just runs off with this convict or or potential criminal yeah i completely forgot about that party scene yeah (laughs) very cringe i think that just summarizes the second part of this game that so much happens but it's just it's not paced out very well yeah and then if i could say about one of the endings depending on which you choose again i know it doesn't seem like it i do like vanessa and i like jay and vanessa right and you see them depending on what you do they escape they make it to Canada but then in a scene later where the adult Zoe comes to talk to Jay you just say yeah we were together six years and she's gone and it's like so that character as well has been built up just like you know the family like Vince at the start just like the Sheriff Dante and now this Vanessa character you want to you're supposed to invest and you try to invest in them but then they're just thrown away in a one-line conversation yeah I was quite angry at that I have to say I was like what you're telling me that you jumped off a waterfall to flee from the FBI, might I add, the FBI and your overbearing father. And then all of a sudden, six years later, you went, nah, this isn't really for me. I'm just I'm just going to go home. You know, we don't have Netflix out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just a phase after all. You're like, what the hell? I get it. Vanessa's supposed to be this rebellious teenager who goes to these parties and, you know, she does everything that her dad doesn't want her to do. I mean, there's some weird moments, though, where they're in I think it's Salt Lake City in Utah and they go to this hotel when they're together and then all of a sudden the dad shows up just randomly as if he's got like a tracker on her or something. I don't know if he does have a tracker on her but it just, it's just, it's weird. It's just, it's a weird scene where you're like why is he here? Is this to ramp up the stakes? Like, oh no, the dad's here. Quick, better climb out the window. It almost reminded me of, this is going to sound like a really weird comparison, but have you ever seen the Naked Gun films? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the very first one where he sets the apartment on fire accidentally and he has to like climb out you know it was almost like that kind of absurdity when he has to climb away and you're like really to link back to one of your themed months to me it felt like it was a t1000 
1000 because he's this evil guy just determined on tracking her down wherever she goes and it, and it's like that's what it almost felt to me like he's this you know this supernatural villain that's come after her but something before because I'm going to completely forget something about her and Vince why I didn't realise till I was looking some things up for this episode is they're actually British really yeah I didn't know that I didn't know that so again that just goes into how well they played those parts again I do think that it is just very haphazard the second part where again the only reason Jay and I feel as if this is quite a horrible moment where Jay reunites with his family I feel as if this is the end of like the first book where Jay eventually reunites with his mum and his leftover brother because I think Dale regardless of whether you let him get shot or not he does still die in the crossfire and they are talking about leaving they're just really horrible to him to the extent they're like oh maybe we should just off him and things like that you're like what the hell there's something you might not remember if you played it because I didn't remember it and it came as a bit of a shock so I don't know if either you have to do a specific option or I'd just forgotten but it turns out he isn't actually their brother he is I think Sharon's sister's son and that's why they feel like there's this resentment there's this big scene in the cabin a short while into book two where he says you know something like you're not even our brother or, or she's not your mum or something like that and she goes you are your family by blood you know and I raised you and yeah I think it's her sister's kid oh no you're right yeah which then makes it realise why he's the good egg supposedly of that family I actually remember feeling like it was very much an EastEnders moment you know like very <laughs> much a soap yes. opera moment where you're expecting the dun 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 someone needs to do that you need to do that for a trailer for this this app you have to do that you're not my brother yes I am <laughs> which is a very niche reference there but oh yeah it did feel very soap opera at that but again I'm going back to the phrase of it's a very narratively driven game but at that point on it just seems to kind of go I wouldn't say downhill downhill is probably too harsh a term for this game to be like oh it's terrible i think it's disappointing based on what the first half gave you that's how i felt it's very lackluster it's very just not great i would say again it's not bad by any means but compared to what we got before and then it feels as if all these ideas of oh jay's running away with vanessa and everything and that is probably with the majority of book two focuses on it focuses on jay's journey to try and escape with vanessa at the same time we do have zoe's interactions with her grandfather which annoys me <laughs> to be honest it really annoys me because there's a scene later on where the grandfather is like oh there's a reason why we stopped at two point in arizona it's because of blah 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 but then at the very end there's like a very much a sopranos moment where he just gets yeah. shot and it fades to black and I'm like are you serious? Are you serious with us? Yeah. And yeah it's just there's no explanation for it so that's why there is obviously there's definitely more to the story but again whether that is going to be an expansion as a DLC or it's going to be another game I don't know as far as I know anyway I could be very wrong so please feel free to correct me but I don't think they have announced any I've not they, seen it I've not seen it but like I said I think it only came out last year didn't it so we've got a bit of time 
But yeah, on, on that ending, yeah, I'd forgotten because they allude to it earlier on. So also one part of the thing is the granddad had been estranged from Vince for many years, hadn't he? And then he says he's got a brain tumour, but that turns out to be a lie, doesn't it? If I remember right. And um, there is a scene early on when they stop in the motel that the guy that works for, I think his name's Paul, seems to recognise him. And then the dad sort of puts his head down and put the cap down and say, no, no, you, you, I've just got one of those faces or something. And it's like, yeah, if they've, all they've then done is potentially killed him off at the because you don't see that you just see the gunshot and the guy running out that needs to be explained because that probably would have been a great backstory to have had happen during it or maybe they are saving it for the sequel i don't know how to feel about that to be honest there's a lot of plot threads that either end really abruptly or they just kind of go nowhere so for example there's a particular scene that i think you and i got different scenes with this where you get to see what happens with the whole family as a whole where they end up going and you see Sharon go into the arms of paul as you mentioned there oh i got her arrested <laughs> yeah see I didn't and it's not because I like the character for the defence your honour that's why <laughs> I genuinely am not a big fan of a character but the only reason I let her go was because I thought that was going to lead into like an extra chapter or something you know that way when you get make your own choice games there's always an extra chapter if you make certain decisions and after I did that I was like oh I can't wait we're going to be getting chased by the police there's going to be a shootout or something there's going to be something exciting but it's like oh no they empty the offshore account and then they just bugger off to Cuba I think and you're like okay I felt really disappointed with that I was like oh great that's not the best so yeah I kind of wish I did just say yeah just arrest her because I don't like Sharon but I don't like the sheriff either so both of them it was genuinely like a who do I hate more <laughs> moment do I hate the sheriff more do I hate Sharon more that's the thing that's why I really like the sheriff in a way that you, you really hate a really good villain that was the thing that I was I'm not going to say I was rooting for him but that's why I was saying no no I wanted to see more of him because he had the potential to be yeah just that villain that you really despise but did it so well he's a great villain it's just such a shame that his storyline even though he is very central in the first story to like you know the reason why he's so very cavalier about throwing buses of all things into the motel and <laughs> doing all he can to stop these Hope brothers before the FBI can come in and resolve the situation relatively peacefully but yeah in the second story it's just like oh yeah Sharon and Paul run away and that's it it's just end of story you get like a resolution off screen you don't get it on screen you don't get to really see much of it which is a shame again because you're completely right he's such a good villain but it's almost like in the second act they don't know what to do with these characters because obviously they're focusing on Jay and his journey to quote unquote redemption to escape to Canada again I like the ideas that they were going for with Zoe I do like that like's a strong word but you know I do find it interesting that she has very much this PTSD attached to those events at night is it right in saying she becomes a swimmer after that yeah because there's a theme at the start right at the start of the game and towards the end where she's trying to hold her breath underwater for as long as she can almost like I think that's supposed to be like her safe space almost like her quiet place but yeah she's in the swim team but the thing is for me and I'm not going to say that that wouldn't be traumatic as a child but again you kind of don't see a reason you don't kind of see what leads up to her having these problems and I'm not saying I wouldn't want to see someone go through torture but you know her 
uh, I, I don't mean she, she would actually been tortured, but I mean like the, the mental torture because in my game, and I'm sure in your game, the mother survived, the father survived, the granddad survived. And again, I know it was traumatic. And in our games, I'm sure the parents split up. But, you know, it's like she's got this hatred for Jay, which even in my game, he did try to do the right thing by her. I'd like to have seen a bit more about maybe her memories and how she got to the point where she can't let go of that. It seems like a very heavy story beat, I would say. It's very complicated. Obviously, the whole concept of mental health is a complicated issue. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of tack it on as a side plot, almost like again, I'm not trying to minimalize it, but it does feel as if at some points it is first and foremost you see her at the bottom of the pool and things, and it's the idea that while she's down there, you summed it up perfectly as a safe space. It's the only space where she has complete control over herself, over her environment, and things like that. And those are all interesting things, but it's kind of hard to focus on that when. You've also got, you know, the Jane Vanessa storyline. You've got Paul and Sharon hitting the sheriff over the head. It's all these other things that get just thrown in. Because at that point, I kind of feel more sorry for Jay than her almost because of his life and his, you know, what he's gone through. I kind of feel more sympathy for him at the end. And again, I don't mean that sound heartless, but it's, again, they made you care about the young Zoe. But I hadn't seen enough of the older Zoe to understand why she was feeling the way she was, if that makes sense. Uh, maybe I'm not making sense but in my head I... no you're completely right they don't really spend enough time with her she was like a completely separate character almost oh no absolutely and i completely see your point it does feel as if although she has gone through this traumatic experience and obviously i know i'm speaking on your behalf but i know that you and i wouldn't want to see a game where a six-year-old as you know goes through this mental anguish or anything but at the same time you're completely right it feels as if they just throw her in and they're like oh here's zoe and she's not happy with her life because of that one event and she wants that sense of closure and obviously that will depend on whether or not the mum dies or the dad dies or anything like that. No Vince could die but I think it would have been far better for him to have gone and confront Jay because you know his marriage I know his marriage hadn't broken up because of that but you know they've gone through that that was the deciding point especially if you said no or if they had kidnapped the daughter as part of it he might have had trauma from that or if his wife got shot you know those two to me are more compelling reasons to have someone go back to confront him to almost say I forgive you or something. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, there definitely could have been more done there and again, hindsight's a wonderful thing, you know, it's like it's easy for us to say like, oh, they should have done this or they should have done that and I'm not saying by any means that this is a bad part of the game, I'm not saying that, oh it's terrible, they shouldn't have done it but there definitely could have been more development done there, there definitely could have been more development between Zoe Jay because I feel as if with Zoe she keeps having these nightmares that she keeps seeing this stalker figure and everything but then it turns out that the stalker figure really isn't related to Jay because we see at the very end there is a stalker figure and he shoots her granddad so you're like well that kind of undermines the whole PTSD thing. Yeah that's a very good point. So what you're saying is there is actually a stalker she's not going mad and maybe it is maybe it is in her head I don't know but yeah it's like okay the stalker's 
real and he has shot her granddad and you're like well okay so she did have a reason to feel very worried and anxious and everything and then when she confronts Jay it's very amicable and I do like that interaction that they both have although you can get him arrested and executed that's the ending I had read about what executed? I think you can get him turned into the police and they I think they give him the death penalty oh my god yeah there you go I'll give you that dark ending there <laughs> but obviously you and I would never have gone anywhere near that ending so it's all good no I, I'm actually just reading the ending now <laughs> just the, not because I don't believe you but I'm just like <laughs> surely oh, but yeah I'm reading this synopsis here it says Zoe can forgive Jay but asks that he no longer contact her or she can turn him into the police Jay can live free but on the run be imprisoned or executed Jesus that is grim yeah yeah because of all the people it goes back to what you were saying they do such a good job of characterising Jay as this very sympathetic I would say more antagonist but even then I'm very hard pressed to say he's an antagonist I would say he's more just a victim of circumstance kind of ironically enough like Zoe she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time much like Jay was at that particular point because he didn't want to do these things but he was forced by family and you know there's that whole thing about culpability and you know accountability for him being a relative adult slash late teenager I can't actually remember how old he's supposed to be in the game I think he's in his late teens yeah I I got the impression he was in his late teens because I think he was just out of school because when he met Vanessa I think she recognised him or he was going to the same school I think what you've said there has made a few things fall into place I think he's very similar to Vince in the sense of Vince was a man trying to do what was right for his family and at the time even though Jay didn't want to do the bad things the scene where with the dad trying to bury the debt collector etc you know you, you can refuse to do it Jay was very loyal to at the time what he thought were his family you knew he didn't want to be there but was doing what he thought was going to be right for his family so you've got very opposing people at the end of potentially the ethics scale but in their heads they are just trying to do the right thing for their family it is a very and um, not to borrow a quote from Fast and Furious here but it is like a very family centric game isn't it? Yeah. You know each side whether it's the Holtz or the Walkers they both want to do what's right for the families I mean even though the Holtz are again they're the antagonists they're the villains but even when Bear gets into like the debt that he does you do see that very brutal realism where again going back to the sensitive topic I was talking about earlier it's where he decides that he's going to kill himself so that they are absolved and they are free and you do get the choice whether just to leave him or save him which I saved him I have to admit despite what he did in heavy rain but you know (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll let bygones be bygones in that one but there's a sense of desperation from all sides I think that's what annoyed me probably about Sharon's character because I can sympathise with all of them you know saying oh we're doing this for a family we're doing this for X, Y, Z when a shadow just kicks down the doors like and I'm telling you another thing and I'm like just bugger off bugger off Sharon you're completely right it's a sense of desperation from each side and something I noticed I just had to double check the cover for this game and I do feel as if it perfectly summarises the core three characters you've got Jay who is prominent he is the person on the middle just staring right into the camera you've got Vince who is kind of off to the far right and then you've got 
got Zoe, who's on the left. I do think that is quite interesting that these are the three characters that the game invests the most time in. Yeah. You know, it's not as if there's like other characters just kind of littered there. It's definitely their story. But I've got a question for you, though. Would you say this game belongs to a particular character? Like, would you say this is Jay's story or is it Zoe's story or is it even Vince's story? It's a really good question. If you play through it, complete it, I think you would have to say to me it's almost it's Jay's story. Even though Zoe's narrating it, to me it's, it feels like it's his story. And again, it's just because of the disconnect between her characters, the start and end of her character's arc. Although for me, it's all about Vince. But the fact that he's then kind of discarded in the second half makes it hard for me to say that it's it's about him. So I would say it's between those two for me. But I think if you had to pin me down for it, I would say it's going to be Jay's. You know, I would completely agree with you there. It seems as if Jay is the most consistent character throughout this story. You know, he starts off, he's quite empathetic. He's not as aggressive as his brothers. And uh, as you pointed out, for obvious reasons, because he's not really related as in he doesn't share the same mother and he has to find his own way in the world both metaphorically you know by getting that bombshell thrown on you before then saying yeah now bugger off it seems quite harsh but you know metaphorically he has to kind of refine his place in the world because he's always been a Holt and now he's kind of like well now I'm no longer a Holt he he technically still is but he's not you know but he's like a completely new person but he never really loses his identity behind that he always stays is Jay. You know, he's always Jay and when he falls in love quote-unquote with Vanessa and he tries to escape, it does feel as if he is the most consistent and he is trying to evolve and try to become a better person no matter what happens. Vince, again, you're completely right, I would say Vince is probably one of my favourite characters purely because he is just very realistic in a sense. He is just a dad trying to make the best of a bad situation and I know that's a very flippant way of describing a hostage situation but it's really interesting to see what they did but for me I remember he got taken by the Holt brothers and I let him out in the forest I was just like yeah go you're free now Vince but then after that you don't see him until the very end when the credits are rolling or rather the epilogue's playing so you're like well there's not really anything there and again you're completely right with Zoe it feels as if her character as a six year old compared to how she is as an adult is completely different and don't get me wrong I know children change none of us are the same person we were as a child as we are when we get to adulthood but at the same time there's a lot of inconsistencies did you feel this way as well when they were talking about the stalker and everything and then they talked about Jim who is Vince's father when they talked about oh he had a dirty secret in Turok did you feel as if she was there to really just set up a sequel at points I think so because like you said she without sounding harsh about a game character it felt like she served no purpose in the wider game other than to bring that stalker element and granddad element at the end because again you see nothing of her life you don't you don't see her for me the game it is about the heist it's about the standoff in the motel and then it's about jay's escape 
and almost the bit that happens with her and her granddad could be the epilogue itself so that's what it is for me it just yeah you just don't see anything you've not gone along a journey with her no i think you've hit the nail on the head there it does feel as if they needed another character to get a sense of closure or resolution from jay but they didn't really know which character to use because michelle can die vince can die but zoe i think and i could be wrong but i'm 99 sure that she's the only one that can't die her and the granddad yeah her and the granddad yeah so it kind of makes sense why they would use her in the second part of the story but you're completely right like obviously it wouldn't make sense if vince was killed in the first act of the game and then in the second act they brought him back and they're like ta-da just kidding but maybe make her 10 years older so she's like 16 17 when it happens and then do it a couple of years later the end scene you know it doesn't have to be 10 years later maybe you can do it like that but then at least you've made her the main character in that siege as well because vince would still obviously want to protect her and do what you can but maybe you've got more of that attachment to that character at the end i don't know i don't like video games i just play them (laughs) it's quite a weird time skip i have to say yeah yeah. I'm reading when Zoe comes back into it, and it's 2012, which just seems like a really random year. It's like 14 years after the events of the story. So she would have been about 20, because she's six years old when she yeah. begins. And then all of a sudden she's 20 years old, and it's like, okay, fair enough. I know why they obviously wanted to age her up so that they could have her going through college and you know have these PTSD attacks and these delusions and she starts talking to her granddad and everything and what I will say and this is going to sound like a random comparison but what I do love about this game is I never felt as if there was anything too gratuitous in the game there's a lot of moments where a game for example the one that is flying off the top of my head here is Heavy Rain where have you played Heavy Rain? Sorry just before I go Yeah I have sorry yes <laughs> You know the scene where you play as Madison Page for the first time? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and it's like you have to walk around this apartment as a woman in her scantily clad attire and everything. It's very you can tell there was a certain demographic of director that wrote it but for legal reasons I'm not obliged to say. (laughs) But yeah you've got her walking around like that and there's very exploitative moments like that and obviously I'm not saying Heavy Rain's the only game to do that. There are other story based games that would slip into that but it doesn't feel as if they do it with this game. There's no over the top violence I would say or graphicness. There are moments that are very dark as I said especially about the attempted suicide scene with Bear and everything and him nearly burying a guy alive. It's some really horrific stuff but at the same time it serves the story you know and I never felt as if anything was throwing into the story just to say oh yeah we've got this in haha bump up the age rating. Would you agree with that? No I would agree and actually I was going to throw something at you. Did you feel I had a sense that, and this is going to, again, sound weird because they do shoot Michelle or Joyce, but I had a feeling that if if everything was kind of going to plan, I don't think the Holt family were out to hurt any of the hostages it's purely the extenuating factor of the sheriff escalating it to get that damn book so for a while i thought no they're going to be safe because they genuinely don't want to hurt vince or his kid or his wife but things just escalated out of control and i think that fits into kind of what you were saying about it not being gratuitous and and i was just wondering what you think about that no it's a good point it does seem as if they just want to do the job and go home because there are moments where they do incapacitate 
capacity the people like for example there's a scene where you're either you get the choice but you're forced to tie up Joyce for example because she's the only one who would speak out against the Holtz and keeps antagonising them and it could have been very easy at that particular scene they could have just dragged Joyce back out to the back of the motel and did an old yeller and that would be it you know and that would be like oh my god these people are pure evil but they don't you don't take hostages and try to incapacitate them like for example there's also another scene where they incapacitate Vince and Michelle and you know they put they basically lock them in a cupboard essentially or an office and that's the thing though they're not out to kill them they're not out to torture them or anything and don't get me wrong they're very aggressive with them and they're doing things to them that quite frankly no human being should be doing to another human being but at the same time though you're completely right they're not out to fatally injure them whereas if you look at the sheriff he completely escalates the situation which kind of backs them into a corner what sheriff would get a bus and ram it into a motel with sound mind and say this is a good idea because some of his police officers end up getting shot and you think this is not a man of sound mind it's clearly a man who is again he's desperate because he wants the book and there's even a moment where you do get a 24-esque this will age me as well but you get like a kind of 24-esque scene where you get a pager from the police chief yes yeah Yeah, and then he's like oh you gotta find the book and everything and I was hearing those you know clock beeps as it cuts between the Holt brothers and Vince and everything I thought okay that's pretty clever I do like that I have got one other thing I want to throw right in right at the end that I want to say I really liked and that is the music oh yeah I think the the main menu music as well it's called Hole in the Middle by Emily Jane White I would just listen to that play I think that's brilliant and the choice of music I think the end of book one it's not Johnny Cash singing it but I think it's a Johnny Cash song and it just fits you know the bit where he's driving the car across the train track to avoid the oncoming train and the use of music I think is really good in this too 100% agree with you there the music is absolutely stellar that is something that I have been noticing with a lot of indie games recently. I do feel as if they have been excelling in that field. Where you get some AAA games where you're like oh that soundtrack's a bit generic or whatever. No, with this it can be slow, it can be very bombastic it can up the pace and the tempo and everything. There's never really many quiet moments I would say. I mean there are a few but I wouldn't say there's any moments where you're left thinking oh that was a weird song. Especially and I'll go keep going back to it that main one on the main menu just fits the setting of like that dusty middle of nowhere motel vibe almost like the storm that's about to hit it it just it encapsulates that perfectly for me absolutely it does characterize it really well and again it's going back to that buzzword of the night characterization but <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it really characterizes it well but speaking of that before we wrap up and give our final summaries of the game i actually put out a tweet and i was asking people what they thought of the game and we got two very interesting responses and I want to know your opinion am I correct in saying you played this on your own like me yeah I did so it turns out that much like other games like I think Hidden Intention is one it's a game I've not played but basically that's another story based game where you can get other people involved you know with the I think there's an app or something or there's a website that you can log into and give your decision for the game like 
for certain dialogue options or things like that. So the first comment came from a Twitch streamer called Bad Games Jules, who said, it was a really fun experience. I played it with my best friend and Gaming Together podcast said, in fact, they asked, did you play it with a bunch of people? We played six player and it was madness. And then they said, if the story is good, we would never know because we purposely made it a slapstick comedy with each character being a buffoon. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love that comment. But that raises a very interesting question. Do you think this game does work more as, not a comedy, that's the wrong word, but do you think it works more as a cooperative experience or do you think it's very much a solo experience that should be played by one player? It's hard to say because I've not done it. And and I said to you at the time, didn't I? I said, we missed the trick by not playing this beforehand as a duo. So maybe we should. Oh yeah. I think it definitely needs to be played alone because it is such a good story. I would love to see if you played it, if it gives you more time because certain options are, are kind of under quite a strict time limit. So I would love to see if you had two or three people and if you were arguing about a decision. I don't know how it does that. I think that would be a great idea because I played with the mind of the character, not necessarily me. So like going back to the, the suicide scene, I cut the dad down, not because I thought necessarily he deserved it, but I thought Jay wouldn't allow that to happen. So you might have people at the differing opinions and I think that might be fun to see how that pans out. It's an interesting one because I completely agree. I haven't played this game cooperatively, so I don't know how different it would really play as. Because at the same time, there's certain games that I would admit I would never play on stream, especially games like To the Moon, maybe What Remains of Edith Finch, games like that, because they're so emotionally heavy. You know, they're games that have very serious themes, and if you've got someone who is trying to crack a joke every five minutes, and don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to that kind of play style. If that's the way you want to play it, that's fine. But I feel as if if you turn it into a free-for-all storybook experience, I appreciate the idea of it and I do think it's very interesting what they did. Going back to an example that I raised there, Hidden Agenda, the whole dynamic there is that you have to choose, much like this game, you have to choose certain options on how you want the game to progress. But one of the characters has, as the name suggests, a hidden agenda where they have to sway everybody else into voting for a certain option. So it's like if someone says, let's go through this door, and then there'll be one person that has a thing on their phone saying, don't go through this door. You'd have to say things like, no, don't go through this door, it's smelly. Obviously better than that. It might work well if you take a character each. So, I don't know, like if you were, say, Jay and I was Vince, you know, that might be an interesting way of doing it, where you take one character. It's a hard one though, isn't it? It's like hard to say what's the right way of playing it because I don't want to sound gatekeeper to be like oh you have to play it super seriously and you can't <laughs> yeah. choose any of the funny options or anything like that but I feel as if at least for a first playthrough I would personally recommend that you play through it by yourself I would yeah. say yeah. experience it by yourself and don't really look up anything like go in as blind as you can for this game because there's a lot of great twists and turns but maybe after that I would recommend to jump into it or unless you you don't care about this kind of game or you don't care about the story then maybe go nuts if you've got an interest in it i definitely think a solo playthrough and i think the first time would have to be because i think a lot of the story beats would absolutely going to lose their impact i know you probably see a lot more different scenes within a group but yeah play the first time on your own i would say thinking back to a game i played on stream like years and years ago i played red dead redemption 2 and that has a lot of very heavy scenes in it and obviously not 
not to the same extent as some of these story-based games, but there's a lot of heavy moments. But it didn't really impact me the same, not because it was written poorly or anything, far from it, but it was because there was that kind of pressure that everyone was watching me and I had to keep up that entertainment value and things. So I feel as if if you had to do that, it's not just Twitch streamers, it's like YouTubers as well and other content creators, they have to put on that persona or they have to think, okay, how do I make this game entertaining? Whereas the game itself should be carrying that burden. They should be saying, yeah, we have to be entertaining. And don't get me wrong, it does that. It definitely does that. But kind of going off as a final point, have you got any final thoughts about this game? No, I just want to say, I know it sounds like we probably have ragged on it a little bit the second half, but absolutely play it. I do love it. I think, like I said, I think it just comes from a place of just being slightly disappointed from the first. But, you know, I applaud the studio and, yeah, and the actors and involved. I think, for me, it's a must-play game. I 100%. And not to ride your coattails, apologies, but I completely agree with that. I do think that it is a game that is definitely worth checking out. The actors do a fantastic job. The writing, although, uh, as you said, we did kind of rag on the second half, it is still solid. It's still a solidly written game. And I do think that this is a very interesting take on the again, I'm, I'm using it very loosely, but the visual novel genre almost. And again, as I said, I'm using that very loosely. I'm not saying that this is a visual novel, but it does feel very much like that in all the right ways. Actually, you're making me laugh because you've made me remember my final comment on it is at one point, I actually said to myself on the second playthrough, do you know what? I'd actually like these quick time events not to be in. I just want it to play out. And then I thought, then that's a film. Yeah. But that's how good it was. That's how good I was. That's how caught up I was in the story. And it is very different. I've played visual novels. I've played walking simulators. None of them have grabbed me quite as much as this in terms of just being sucked into kind of what's happening. And I think for me, that's the biggest compliment I could play to it was I almost wanted them to take the only game element in it out of it. That actually reminds me of a previous game that my co-host and friend Adam and I played where we played three games of the same series, that of course being the To the Moon, Finding Paradise and Imposter Factory. We did episodes in the first two games and it actually reminds me of something that he brought up in that episode where there were elements of that game that although I did criticise quite heavily. We both agreed that the only reason we are criticising it heavily is because we care about it. It would be far different if this game was just a lazy cash grab or you know, there was no real consequences or anything, but the fact that this game kept both of us engaged, we kept thinking oh, what's going to happen? Because I binged this game in like two or three days, I want to say. I really, I raced through this game because I was texting you and you're like, Jesus how far are you? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm really fast because it is it's like a game that you don't I mean you, obviously it has to end but it's like you don't want it to end you want to see what happens next and you're flipping the pages and I completely agree with you there's so many games like that that I've seen where whether it be a visual novel or a walking simulator as you said it is that experience you want to see the story you know you don't really want to I mean don't get me wrong that kind of defeats the whole purpose of it as a game but I completely agree you do care more about the characters and the story itself rather than what prompts you put in because I think that is a criticism that a lot of people say about these games are like oh well what's the point it's almost like I think I've worked it out it's almost like I didn't want my wrong decision to ruin the story as in ruin a character for me I'm almost like no you, you should show me the best 
best outcome for that character, please. Because I don't, I don't trust myself in making that decision. Because there were some moments when I saw it and I was like, yeah, I better Google this just quickly <laughs> to make sure that no one's <laughs> yeah. going to die. Because that's how invested I was. I wasn't just like <laughs> flippantly saying, oh yeah, Vince punches him for no reason and that's going to get his whole family killed. Like I had to look it up because I just had that anxiety. I was like, oh my God, am I making the right decision? Is he going to survive? Is he not? So yeah. Oh, we are so similar. We are so similar. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but honestly, all I would say is if you haven't played this game before, what are you waiting for? It's still on Game Pass as of this episode, so no excuse. Yeah, there's no excuse if you're signed up for it. <laughs> Even if you don't have Game Pass, I would still recommend picking this game up because it is definitely a very interesting take on the narrative experience, as it were, of games. Games have become so much more than the Pong days or the <laughs> Tetris days. Yeah. To borrow a phrase from yourself, it's become so much more than getting the high score in a video game. These have practically become another form of cinema at times. Spot on. So if you love narrative-driven games, then all I can say is, yeah, check as dusk falls out. Honestly, I don't think you'll regret it. No, you, you'll love the first playthrough. You'll love it. There's definitely enough. Even though we said that the second half might not be as good as the first half, it's still worth a playthrough. It's absolutely worth a playthrough. But on that note, thank you, Dan, so much for yeah coming on this episode and waxing lyrical about as dusk falls. Nice again. Thank you for having me on. It's been it's been great. As I said, this episode is a long time in the making, but I am so glad that we finally got a chance to do it. But before we wrap up, where can these lovely listeners at home listen to your content? So just look for Casting Views on anywhere where you can get your podcasts. We are on Twitter. I'm quite active on Twitter, so that's at Casting Views if, if you want to get in touch or you can always drop us an email at castingviewspod at gmail.com. But yeah, just look for Casting Views and you'll see the picture. It's me and my nephew. We do a random topic podcast and it is usually something quite random each week. So yeah, if you'd like to give us a listen, please check us out. I would just mirror that. Definitely go check out Casting Views and not because I've been a guest on your show. No bias there. <laughs> but no, it's fantastic. Definitely go check them out. And if you want to check out more Chats and Ami content, you can of course check us out on our website, podpage.com forward slash Chats and Ami. We're also available on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. I also want to give a shout out to our current patrons over on Patreon, Sonia and Battle Toaster, which every time I say Battle Toaster, still <laughs> love the name, still love it. <laughs> So thank you both so much for supporting the channel. And yeah, on that note, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated.